want you to go to the book of Ephesians chapter 1 with me. We're going to start there. So glad Miss Tanya is on the keyboard this morning. She wasn't feeling well this week and managed to get herself in here. Thank you for doing that. Where it says in Ephesians chapter 1, you're very familiar. This is one of the greatest books of the Bible among all of them. It's one of my favorites anyway. But I want to start reading at verse 3, two verses here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And just as He chose us, in him. Matter of fact, let's read that verse together, can we? Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now I want you to go to chapter 3 of the same book, and I want you to look at verse 14, and I'm going to read to the end of that chapter. And I want you to pay close attention to what Paul is doing. Because now Paul is making a prayer. And he said, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth are named. Now listen to what he's praying. He said, I pray that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the working of of the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Holy Ghost, I'm asking you to speak through me this morning. And I'm asking you to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to see, to hear and receive. To know God. That to know that love that passes understanding. That we can know how to walk in these days. Father, I give you thanks for that right now. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Before I go any further, I can't overlook this. We've got one of our family hurting today. I don't know if she's here. Is Miss Julie Crookshank here? I think I'm pronouncing it. Is she here this morning? I don't think she's here. But her father, she's been coming. Her father passed away this past week. And they're going to do their memorial service this coming Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock here at the church. So could we just pray for Miss Julie that God would just comfort her and her family. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus... We hold Julie up. We ask you, God, for her family. God, that you would put your big arms around them and let them them know your love and your grace and care. Let them know how, how comforting you can be and that you can be everything they need in this moment of time. I just ask your blessing upon that family right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Everybody said amen. Listen, guys, I want to tell you something. God is up to some amazing things. And we're in one of the most amazing hours, I believe, that we could ever be in. I I really believe that. This is the greatest time, and God is doing more things than what you can imagine. Just like last night, I was in Walmart picking up a few things. And a brother I know from uh, Pastor Tim Lee's church, uh, Apostolic Promise, came up. Hey, Pastor Zach, i got to tell you something. I want to tell you about a miracle. And he pointed to his wife over there. He said she's been dealing with four, she's been dealing with four stage 
cancer in her body. He said she's been undergoing some, a few uh, chemo treatments. I think he said only a few. I can't remember the exact number. But he said, we went back to the doctor. We've been praying and believing in Jesus' name. He said, we went back to the doctor. They've done another exam. He said, I want you to know that she is totally cancer-free. God healed her. Matter of fact, she pulled out, he pulled out his phone. He said, this is the doctor's scan. He showed, he had them compared. He said, you see all this red stuff here? That's the cancer. And he said, on this and this is the after, the one they just made. There wasn't a bit of that on the scan. And doing quite well. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Man, man, let me tell you, Friday night, I went to East Prairie because I heard in a small community that there was a group of churches decided they could get together. They didn't care about their denomination, but they were going to go to the city, uh, t- the city park in the middle of town and have service together. I thought I needed to go see that. I went down and was in, it was a fantastic meeting that Pastor Eric Magruder and a number of those pastors were leading. There were several hundred people brought lawn chairs out and you know what you couldn't find the Pentecostal you couldn't find the Baptist you couldn't find the Methodist and the Lutheran and they were all having a great time worshiping the Lord and when they gave the altar call I don't know how many responded to Jesus but I saw people heading to the section that they had designated for people to minister to them I'm telling you God's doing some amazing things I don't know if you heard what happened last week with Miss Son Stephen and her team that was at Indian Park on the other side of town last Saturday where people were saved and people were delivered. People were healed in a city park. Come on, somebody. God's doing some amazing, amazing things. He really is. Awesome things. Man, we could keep, I mean, we could keep going. I love hearing testimonies, and when I hear them, I'm telling people I'm going to share what God is doing because I want you to know God is moving in spite of all the nonsense and the things that you may be seeing going on around you. Great things are happening in the land. Look at your neighbor and say, great things are happening. Now, are you ready to go into action? Are you really ready for this move of God? If you weren't here, many of you weren't for our, our last uh, uh, leaders gathering Tuesday night. Uh, Pastor Tim, uh, what was, uh, Russell, Pastor Tim Russell, thank you, from Dexter Lighthouse. He had called me up in the week before and said, Pastor, I just feel like the Lord told me to get a hold of you. Because he said he's given me a word that I'm supposed to release to pastors and I don't know how to get it to him. He just told me to get a hold of you. And so I thought, well, I've got a gathering. You've been here, you know, before, so why don't you come? And uh, he came and delivered. And, and matter of fact, it went a little bit different than what I thought he was going to deliver. But, but this is basically what he said for you that was here. Make sure I'm going to say it right. He asked us if we were ready for the great harvest that is getting ready or that is being gathered into the body of Christ. He said multitudes. Matter of fact, he's talked about doubling, quadrupling. He talked about us being overtaken, not just us, the whole body at large. I believe it's there and I believe it's now. I believe we're going to see more outside of the church than inside of the church. I really believe that. But you and I have got to see that we are called to action And that it's now our time. It's all hands on deck. Everybody say all hands on deck. That means we can't be lazy. We can't be set back any longer. But we've got to get active and get involved in what God is doing. The Lord put this passage of scripture in my heart out of the book of Ephesians. And notice Paul is praying. I love these prayers. Ephesians 1.17 is a prayer. Through the next verses and. And then this part here. But I like what he said. Why was he praying this? Because he's saying in order to move into the fullness of God and to know. Let me read that last part. He said, I pray that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. 
that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the depth, the height, and the length, and to know the love that passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. I'm going to explain that in just a moment. Because that's a part of what burns in my heart to bring people to the fullness of Christ. Now notice the next verse. Because we need to walk in the fullness of God. It brings us to the point that we can declare now to Him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the working of the power of God that is in us. Look at your neighbor and say that power is in you. See, I ought to be shouting your testimony. See, we, the American church and a lot of churches is coming. We're still leaning heavy on one or two people to really basically come and move in the power of God. And that day, I believe, is quickly coming to an end. And it's not about one or two, and it's not about a hotshot evangelist. I mean, I get excited like everybody. You know, Eddie James is coming to town on Thursday, November 17th, but you and I don't need to get our worship on then. It should have already been on. But you see, we've become this place that if it, unless it's somebody that puts it on like Eddie James, I can't worship with it. Oh, come on, somebody. Because we've been prone, we have been groomed that certain things move us. And God is saying, wait a minute, you're the move that I'm waiting for now. You're what I'm looking for. You're the one that I'm moving into. Now I want to walk through this book real quickly with you. I want to lay out some highlights of the book. Do you ever talk to anybody that when they talk to you, they just can't get right to the issue? They got to tell you every detail. I mean, every one of them. You know, they thought, well, back in 1949, you know, I was a kid and I grew up and I didn't have, I walked to school and didn't have, you know, they go through every detail before. And I mean, you're back in 1949 has nothing to do with the moment. There are just some people detailed. I'm not one of them. I guess except I get here. But I'm not detailed, and sometimes I don't need all the details. Just, just get to it. Just tell me what you want to tell me. Let, let's get on with it. I know not everybody in here is like that, but that's kind of my nature. And I think Paul is one of those detailed guys. So that's why he's writing. But we can get caught up in all the details, and I can miss the point. I can miss what he's saying. So Paul is talking to this church that knows Jesus quite well, but they're really coming up short of how they ought to be walking. And they're coming up short of what they ought to be accomplishing. So he starts out in chapter 1 with a greeting like he does to the church. And then he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath chose us, or who has blessed us with all... With every spiritual blessing. Uh, what does every mean? If it's every, then there's no more to get. Right? He said, I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're going to have to settle some issues here in the house. Because most of us feel inadequate when it comes for us to do the things of the Lord. I'm going to tell you why you feel that way in a minute. And it may surprise you. And it's not because you're not equipped. I think we've fallen into a crutch. I just don't feel equipped. But if I don't read you another verse, this verse just told you that you have been blessed by our Heavenly Father with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. You know that blessing is more than gas in your tank. That blessing is more than somebody taking you to lunch after a while. 
that blessing is more. No, when God blessed Adam in the beginning, when God blessed his creation, he put his stamp of approval on it. Not only did he put his stamp of approval on it, but he gave it the right, he gave it the will, and he gave it the liberty to fulfill everything it was designed and purposed to do from the very beginning. And most of us don't feel the blessing. And the blessing isn't a feeling. The blessing is God's hand. The blessing is God's decree. The blessing is God's word upon you. So he said, I blessed you in every spiritual, with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on to say this, as he had chosen us in him. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. All right, see, some of you don't even feel special. But I want you to know that you're more than special. You're a huge big deal. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a big deal. You may not, oh, come on, say it like you mean that. You're a big deal. You don't know how big a deal you are. See, Paul started out because the reason they're coming up short is because they don't know how big a deal they really are. But here's the thing. I was chosen in Christ, in God, before anything was ever made. I was as much of the plan as the sun. I was as much in the plan as the stars. I'm as much in the plan as the grass. I'm as much in the plan as the seasons. Actually, I was in the, I was in the boardroom when God and all of his angels were sitting together. I was on the table. He already marked me out. He said, I'm going to bring this good looking cat named Zach and I'm going to birth him in 1950. And he's going to fulfill my will. Come on. He said the same thing over you. When was your birthday? Oh, I'm not supposed to ask a lady. When was your birthday, Charlie? What year? So God back there, before anything was made, he said on September what? 14? September 19 what year? 1947? That's a few years ago. But I'm making a strong point. God had already said, September 19, 1947, there's going to be this gray-haired guy that I'm going to birth on that day. I'm going to call him Charlie. That's how everybody's going to know him. Some of them are going to know him as Butch, but I'm going to bring him into the earth, and he's going to fulfill my will and my purpose. And so God went along the line with every one of you. No matter how old, how young, color of your skin, what nationality, where you were born. He even said, he said, there's going to be one I'm going to name Piedad. They're going to call her Piedad. She's going to marry a man by the name of Zeferino. They're going to have a herd of kids. And they're going to make tacos. And they're going to feed their pastors. She's fulfilling the will of God. Hallelujah. Now you better grab what I'm saying. Because Paul's talking to this church and then he goes from there and then he starts talking about the grace of God. I'm not going to read every verse because he predestined us into the adoption to be as sons. He predestined us that way before the foundation of the earth. What does that mean? That you and I, before you were ever born, would be just like Jesus. Come on. You're going to act just like Jesus. They wouldn't know the difference had man not had fallen. Come on. Had man not had sin, they wouldn't know the difference between you and Jesus. He said, I have chosen you. 
one more time, I'm not just trying to encourage you. I want you to know you're a big deal. But the enemy's convinced you you're not. And he's convinced you that you're incapable. And he's convinced you that you can't do the things that God told you to do. But I'm going to remind you again, you are blessed. You are not cursed. Come on, you are not cursed. Shake that stuff off of you. I'm the blessed of the Lord. Highly favored, praise God. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know, if I really believed that, I would quit saying some things. Like, please, we get religious with everything. But sometimes we're pursuing more and God said... What are you after? I've already given it all to you. I've already given it all to you. What are you asking for more for? I've already given it all to you. So let's skip and let's don't get all the details because again, we're getting caught up in details. And then he goes down in verse 17. uh, of uh, Verse 17, yes. Or verse 16 uh, of the same chapter he starts praying. He makes this declaration, Miss Adrian, tells them who they are. And then he said, I, I got to pray for you. I prayed this for years and I keep praying it. It's one of my favorite prayers. And it says this, I do not cease to give thanks. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of His glory that is in the inheritance of the saints or in the saints and what is the greatness of His power working toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. He said, I pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and that your eyes would be open to see. Why in the world would God say that we needed wisdom and revelation? Why was Paul praying that? Because revelation means an enlightenment. Is actually what it means. It's the unfolding. He says, I'm going to say it like this. He said, I'm praying that God would unfold His will and purpose to you so you'll really understand who you really are and the big deal that you're going to make in His purpose. And He said in order to have wisdom, the reason He asked for wisdom, He said, is that which we need to know our function in place. Because see, you can be called and still not have wisdom to know where it works. Because if you don't see it within the purpose of God, you can be misunderstood. You can be misrepresented. Not only you, but you'll misrepresent what God is doing. So Paul was saying, I think every one of us in this room need to make this our prayer continuously. Lord, give me wisdom, especially in the hour that we're in. Because we want to keep functioning out of season sometimes. I was in a meeting recently. Another church... uh, Precious sister out of Memphis was preaching. Never heard anybody say this. She deals with a lot of families and she'd gone through some stuff in her life as well. She said, I've learned something in couples and individuals. She said, we go through changes every 10 years. Naturally. I never heard anybody really talking about that. She said, we go through these changes physically. We go through it emotionally. We go through it, the, the, just these changes. And she said, the problem is we don't adjust to the change. We keep operating in the last season or the last 10 years instead of saying, okay, God, what's the wisdom? What's the grace? What do I need for this moment of time that I'm in? So he said, I pray He went on, remember, I'm giving you details. I should have gave this verse part. He said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding are open, that you may know what is the hope of your, what? Calling. You know, there's an interesting thing here. Calling and chosen go together. 
So he chose you, for he's already called you. And you call means he chose you to do it. The calling deals with your purpose. It deals with your function. And he said, I pray that your eyes will be open to see that. That you will know the intended end of what God is up to. We need our eyes open. Because sometimes I can only see what I want to see. I see what I've been trained to see. You know, you can live in something so long. It's kind of like going to your people's houses. I know none of y'all's houses are this way when we live there. You know, you can live in a rat's nest and not know it. Because you've lived there long enough that you've adapted to something. You don't see the dirt no more. And you don't see the rat no more. And you don't see the clutter no more. Seriously. You can live there. You, you don't even see it. No, you don't see things that are messed up. My house, we're not a rat's nest. My wife's a good housekeeper. She likes to whip at me. Run that vacuum. <laughs> and we try. But I guarantee you because it's like, if we have company, don't get, don't, don't get on me, hon. It's, it, please. I think the house looks great. Any of you guys besides me just clean the house? Uh, when are you going to clean this house? I just spent two hours cleaning. I've wiped stuff down. I've done this. But see, she's got an eye to see things I don't see. It's not a bad thing. It's the way she is. I can walk through this house. It's funny. I can walk in my house. I'm talking about the church. And I can see stuff. And I thought, what? 19 people just walked over that. Why didn't they get that? 19 people saw that row was messed up. Nobody straightened it up. 19. Because sometimes if we're not careful, we have embraced a lifestyle. We've embraced a nature that we don't see the things of God. And Paul said, because you're such a big deal and because you're calling, he said, I'm praying you've got to see. You've got to be able to see through the eye of the Lord what God is doing so that you will know the hope of his calling. And notice what else he went on to say, to know the exceeding greatness of his power, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches, the abundance of his glory that is in us? I want to tell you something. There's more in you than you realize. But see, you don't feel equipped and you don't feel qualified and, and you don't feel all of this. But God said it's there. God said it's there. I, I, I'm, you know, I was talking about that scene thing a while ago. I don't see every gift under the sun. I, I see people that ought to be rolled off. I see people like this, but God sees them totally different. And there's not one person in this place that doesn't have call and doesn't have purpose and is not a big deal before God, but people around you may not really see who you are. And it does take the Spirit of God. But he said, I want you to know what is on the inside of you and to know the exceeding greatness of His power that is in us. Why does our eyes need to be open? He gives us the answer in chapter 2, verse 1. Are you okay? I got to get this jet down pretty quick here. Jumbo today. He said, And you hath made me alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Next verse. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. But as a child of God, that's not you. That's not you. That's not you anymore. There's no such thing. I'm a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Sorry, wrong thinking. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm a born again child of God, a new creation. I'm a son and a daughter of God. See, if I keep going along with saying, because even we buy into this thing like this, well, after all, we're not perfect. Who said you're not? Who said you're not perfect? We just bought into that because it makes it easy for me to justify my wrongdoing. Are you okay? 
I'm going to push you today, all right, because we got work to do. And people are waiting upon us to release what is on the inside of us every day. But most of us don't feel qualified. Why? Because of right here. But God wants you to know something. He tells us in this passage of Scripture, we were dead in trespasses and sins. But I want you to know He saved us. And He saved us by His grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. You can't even stand before God and say, I don't know if I could even do that. God said, don't worry about it. I knew you couldn't anyway. So I saved you by my unmerited favor, my unmerited grace upon you, and all I need you to do is believe me. He said, I saved you. I brought you out. We used to sing that song, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today, a song of His praise. Hallelujah. He brought me out. He brought me out of sin. He brought me out of bondage. He brought me out of darkness. He saved me. Do you know when He saved me, He healed me? Oh, no, I'm going to say it different. Do you know when He saved you, He healed you? So healing is already working in you. Well, Pastor, I'm still aching. Well, I'm going to help you here in a moment. Just hang with me. Because, see, we bought in the lie. That's why Paul is he's giving us, don't get caught in all the details. He said, I saved you, and I called you, and I delivered you. And then he said, I saved you for this purpose. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. Uh, give you some news here. He did not change the plan after man fell. What he just declared here, this is my work, my detail of what I always intended for you to do and to be. No matter what. So anything that comes after Christ that is called of God... It's only what He purposed in us before Christ. But Christ just repositioned us and redeemed us so that we could walk those things out. So good works isn't a Christian thing. Doing healing, ministering to people is not just a Christian thing. It's what, what I was made for. It's supposed to be as natural as a duck going to a water. See, again, we wait for feeling. You know, I'm going, well, go ahead. I'll just deal with it here. You know, nowhere do I find it. I'll stand to be corrected. I don't know anywhere where I find that Jesus, please, I know Ben and Pam teach healing, so don't, don't, just, you know, you guys know me. Jesus didn't go to healing school. He didn't go to healing school. He didn't go to casting out devil school. He didn't go to extending arm school. He didn't go to straightening back school. Matter of fact, I don't know that he went to any school except through the school of life. Of just learning people. Why? Because Jesus became the Savior. It was appointed him that he would be the Savior of the world. So, Jesus didn't go to school to learn how to turn water into wine. You know, he's got to go find which elements in the grape or whatever fruit it is they make. The, he didn't do all that study. It was so natural that he shows up one day. And mama said, when are you going to get on with what you've always called to be? Because see, everything about his life was to make him a carpenter, not a savior. Maybe I could say it like this. Maybe everything about him was to try to see if he could fix people by the work of his hands 
instead of by the work of the Father that was working through him. It was natural to him. Healing was as natural as snow falling from the sky. It was just, everybody said it was natural. So it is supposed to be for us. It's supposed to be that way for us. You know, I don't know what happens. These little guys are so innocent. They learn to be bad. But really, their nature is good. But we put them in a world that is fallen. I, 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 got, I got to go on. Let me go on. Get myself in trouble. Now, okay, he said, you're created for good works. You've been saved and you've been delivered. And I believe it is, hmm, what chapter? I can't think right now. But the Bible, I think it's in the book of Colossians. Don't anybody hold me to that, but it's in the Bible, believe me. That he has translated me out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Okay, so now we've got to make a determination. We've got to make a determination in verse 11, same chapter. Chapter 2, he said, Therefore remember that you once were Gentiles in the flesh, who were called the uncircumcision, by which is called the circumcision made by the flesh of hands. But at that time you were, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. So now I got to determine my citizenship. A little bit later, he tells us in verse 19, we're no longer strangers, foreigners, and fellow citizens with the, with the saints and members of the household of God. I just got to realize something. I'm in this world, but not of it. Hello, I belong to the household of heaven. I'm a kingdom man. You're a kingdom man, a kingdom woman. We need to start declaring we're kingdom people. We should live different, be different. We should upset things around us, not for intent's sake, but because we're different. We don't belong to them. And as long as we keep identifying with them, we will remain empty and short of what God intends to do through us. So then in chapter 3, Paul starts unfolding the purpose. He said, once you come to understand all of that, he said in verse 8 of chapter 3, or verse 9, he said, well, let's read verse 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages have been hidden in God who created all things to Jesus Christ to the intent that now, everybody say now, now, that now, to the intent that now, I can't find my now in here, to the intent, there it is, that now the manifold wisdom of God may be known by the church. That's you and I, not this building. We've gone to church way too long and never became the church. And so I just keep going to church. And I walk out and I feel like I've got to go back to church in order to see something and do something. Are you okay? Now he, told, he unfolds it. He said now he's going to demonstrate to the principalities and powers. How's he going to do it? He's going to do it through his church. So Paul goes back to prayer. And I'll end right here. Worship team, you can get ready to come back. He said this. For this reason I bow my knees. To the Father of glory. To the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ again. And he said, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant to you, according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. May I tell you, we don't have an equipping problem. 
May I tell you we don't really have a knowledge problem. But I'm going to throw something at you maybe you've never thought about. I'm going to declare to you we have a love problem. That we don't know how much God loves us. What does love have to do? Everything. Everything. He deals with love too much in this couple of verses. He said that we're to be strengthened with might in the inner man. How do you be strengthened with might? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. That we're to be strengthened with the Holy Spirit. And that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. And that you and I would be rooted and grounded in love. So we got to determine a few things what love is. And I'm going to land here. I've got too much. I could keep going for another hour and I won't. But we got to talk about what love is for a moment. Most of us know. I found three aspects of love that you and I need to grab hold of. First of all, there's the love of man. The love of man. A natural love of man. Let me say it like that. That was in man. Kind of like when God created Adam and he saw that he was said it's not good that man be alone and he created this beautiful creature called a woman and brought her before the man and Adam says something like this this is now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife do you want to realize know something today that that was a declaration of love to the one that was now going to be a part of his world because if you looked up a definition of, of love, a couple of definitions, let me find it here so I can read it to you exactly. Oh, it's right in front of me. We're not talking about just some kind of, you know, feeling or an emotion. We're really dealing with an action that intervenes on behalf of others in behalf of the one that we love and wants to rescue them. So when Adam said that to her, that, that sounds good. That makes a good wedding ceremony. But the reality was he was expressing his love to this, I protect you. I will care for you. You are now a part of me. We will move together. We will walk together. We will fulfill the purpose of God together. So there's a natural love of man. Like a love as a mother with the child or our grandparents with their children. We love our grandkids like you do. We love our kids too. But grandkids mess you up. My friend Steve Sampson said they should have, you know, God should have gave his grandkids before kids. But, but we love them dearly. But there's something special. That's a natural love. Whatever they, we're there to protect, we're there to provide, we're there to care, engage with them. Problem being with that love is when Adam sinned, something happened to the whole life intended, intended for us to love out of. So it was tainted. Then there's another aspect of love. It's the love of the world. In the book of 1 John, little John back there, chapter 2, and I think it's verse 15. I had to look it up a while ago. It says, do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Wait a minute. He said, if I love the things of the world, then the love of the Father. There must be a distinct difference between the two. And in a crazy world that we're in right now, isn't it interesting? In all the last couple of years, through all the racial tensions and pressures and issues, what do you start hearing? Love. We just need to love more. Well, it's true, but we're using the wrong love. It's the love of the world that they're trying to express. So the love of the world says this. How can I say this rightly without... Offending, don't intend to offend. But it's like the church, the believer, the followers of Christ, from, from, the, from the homosexual to the, uh, you, you, you know, that, that group of people are now saying, well, if you were really godly, 
you would love us. And what they're saying is, you ought to embrace who we are, what we do. You ought to embrace that this is how God made us. But the reality of that is, there's deception there. The reality of it, it's full of sin. It's full of unrighteousness. It's full of untruth. So I can't love like the world loves. So for me just to say in the midst of racial pressure and tension, I just need to love you. If I don't love you with the right thing, you'll never receive the power of God through it. So it brings me to the third area. And that's the love of God. That passes understanding. Passes knowledge. As a matter of fact, he said, I pray that you guys go to the next verse. If you don't mind, throw that up so I can get this down real quick. That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the depth and the height and the width. He said, what he's talking about, the width, depth, and height and length. He said his love is so vast and so, so deep and so wide and so great. It's hard for us. It passes our understanding. But Paul said, I pray that we have that we come to know that, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints. See, I believe one of our greatest problems is we don't know. It's hard for us to love out there because we don't know how great love we are in here. And to know that God, it's not a quipping issue. It's a love issue. Because I feel like my hurts, my pains, my wounds, my disappointments, everything I've walked through. How many of you have said this? I heard your children say it to you. I remember, if you really loved me, this is what you would do. If you really loved me, this is what I would see. And if I don't see that, if I don't see that, and I don't see what I purposed in my heart. If I don't see that and, and if I, my vision is off in some form, then I'll think, well, you know what? God must loved. He must just love Pan and Bim more than he loved me. And he must love Tom and Vicky. And he must love Amanda more than he... Because after all, look how fulfilled they are. And look at where I'm at. And many times out of one because we don't recognize the love of God and where we're operating. If it wasn't that important, why is Paul praying that? He said, I pray that you would come to know this love. And he said, if you could ever find it, if you could ever come to know it, look at what he said last thing and I'm done. He said, now, everybody say now. It moves you into a different place of power. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think according to the working of His mighty power in us. Miss Joni, it's not that the power isn't there. There's something that connects the love that Father has for me and the love that Father has for others that connects me, Miss Tanya, to that power flow that we're all looking for. I haven't found one place that Paul said, you guys go to school. I'm not against learning and I'm not against equipping. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I've watched the church and some of us have said in the church all of our life, You've ran to every ministry, every training center. You've gone to every conference. You have listened to everybody under the sun. And the reality, we are in the same boat we were 15 years ago. And yet we keep asking God, when are we going to do more? And I believe God is saying to us, it's not about when are we going to do more. I believe God's saying, when are you going to do more? Because I've already given you the more. I've already given it to you. It's already in you. How do I find the love of God? Paul said in Romans 5, 8, and the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. It's shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. 
It's God's love moving through us, giving us an understanding, giving us an ability to embrace, man, I'm a big deal. And do that without arrogance. And whether I put my face on or I don't put my face on, I'm a big deal. I want everybody to know in this place, somebody really needs to know that today. You're a big deal in God. And God delights in you. Pastor, that's easy to say. I know it is. I know it is. But I, there may be somebody today. I don't know who I'm talking to necessarily. But might be at that point of your life just ready to quit and walk away. So discouraged. But I want you to know today, you're a big deal. Would you stand with me? Are you ready? Are you ready? I want to pray over you. I think Miss you, Miss Adrian, is going to come. I want you to get your paws up, like you're going to receive. I'm, I'm going to end differently today and let them have it, because I know they got something planned. But I pray right now in the name of Jesus, as Paul prayed. I pray that you would come to know the love of God, that passes knowledge, that passes your understanding. I pray that you are rooted and grounded by faith in love. That you are so unmovable that you're in such a relationship with the love of Father that nothing can move you. That when others see you, they say you look just like your Father. You act just like your Father. I pray today that now you will know the exceeding greatness of His power that works in you. And that now, oh, that you will rise in a new place of boldness, in a new place of assurance that God has called you for such a time as this. And He's chosen you to be a part of His master plan. And not one moment did He ever think that He could do this without you. But He has waited patiently upon you for this moment of time. And I bless you to walk in that. And to walk it out. And to be fulfilled. And now may your eyes be open to see the opportunities of ministry. To see the opportunities to fulfill the purpose of God. To reveal the glory of the Father. The wisdom of heaven. May it now be revealed through you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, dose us with a fresh dose of your love. May it be shed abroad in our hearts. May it fill our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise, would you?